Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. My wife, my wife is pregnant with baby number five. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> don't cheer unless you have at least three. <laughs> I don't want your sympathy, no. Uh, yeah, she's, she's pregnant with baby number five, and mornings just aren't too kind to her right now. So just continue to pray for her. Um, baby's due in July, so uh, when I come back, I think I'm coming back in December, I'll have five kids and probably a lot more gray hair on my face. So um, I'm going to be in... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you have a Bible, you should have a Bible or a smartphone or or something uh, like that. Uh, I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Yeah, excuse me as I finish preaching, I have to make a beeline. I I have to get to service this morning on the other side of the river, the bad side of the river. Pray for that side. Pray for that side. Yeah, like, um, like Phil said, we're, in a, we're very excited. We're in the process of gathering people um, for our church plant on the west side of Detroit. Um, we'll be about 10 minutes from where Restore is. Detroit is just that big. We'll be about 10 minutes away and like a world away. Um, we got about 20 adults. Um, I, I, I emailed Pastor Garth the, the building. There's a possible building that God may be opening the door for. So just continue to pray for us and uh like I said, I look forward to being with you guys again in December. So 1 Corinthians chapter um, 15. So I'm going to jump all the way down to the very last verse, and then we're going to work our way backwards. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that In the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Again, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Uh, Today, my, 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 my message is entitled, Be Strong, Be Fruitful. Be strong and be fruitful. So again, uh, um, this, this passage starts with a, uh, I think the key word, the key word to this passage is therefore. Therefore, that, that word therefore is one of the key phrases uh, in scripture. So when you see the word therefore, what you need to do is you need to go in reverse. The word therefore, the, the definition means to introduce a statement resulting for or caused uh, by something previously stated. So when you see therefore, that therefore is a result of something that the author already said. Okay, let me give you a couple examples. Pastor Garth gave me directions. Therefore, I was not lost this morning. Because I used to get lost coming over here. So be, be, he, he gave me great directions, told me to use the bridge. Therefore, I did not get lost. I will soon have four daughters. Therefore, I'm collecting money for weddings. (laughs) Again, therefore introduces something. The the, the vital phrase, Paul says, therefore. So when Paul, uh, uh, everything after the therefore, therefore, brothers, uh, uh, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, uh, knowing that your labor is not in vain, that therefore hinges on something that he said previously. Um, that therefore reaches all 
all the way back to verse 1 and goes all the way back uh, to verse 57. So this encouragement to stand firm, this encouragement to be immovable, this encouragement uh, uh, to be fruitful in the work of the Lord reaches all the way back. So we're going to walk through this real quick. I believe I see four reasons, four reasons that we can stand firm in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 15. And I hope you have a Bible. We're going to walk through this real quick. So I see four reasons. Reason number one, we have a message. Reason number two, we have evidence. Reason number three, we have a hope. And reason number four, we can stand firm is we have the victory. Reason number one, reason number one, uh, uh, if you have a Bible, I'm in 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read verses one through three. Again, reason number one, we can stand firm. Reason number one, we can uh, uh, be fruitful and always abound in the work of the Lord. Reason number one is we have a message. We have a message. Uh, Verse number one, it says, now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, in which you stand. There it is right there. You stand. We stand in the gospel. Verse 2. And by you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received. Christ died for our sins in accordance to the scriptures. So again, reason number one, we can stand. Reason number one, we can always abound in the work of the Lord. Reason number one, we can be fruitful is we have a message. We have a message. We, we, we have this gospel message. Notice this. Paul starts off by saying, I would remind you. I would remind you of the gospel that I preached. Now, uh, uh, m- many believers view the gospel as an immunization. You know, a, a one-time shot. You, you go to the doctor. You t- if you have kids, you, you, you go to the doctor and you get a one-time immunization. The gospel isn't an immunization. The gospel is a multivitamin, a daily vitamin. We need the gospel daily. We, we, we don't just need the gospel to, to be saved. We don't just need the gospel to get a get-out-of-hell free pass. He said, I want to remind you of the gospel that was preached to you so you can stand. We need the gospel daily. We stand in the gospel. We're fruitful in the gospel. We we can endure hardship in the gospel. We can endure setbacks in ministry because of the message that we have. Notice this. uh, In verse 2, he says, and by which you are being saved. Wait a minute. I'm already saved. Wait a minute. Uh, How am I saved and being saved? Which one is it? It's both. It's both. Now, now, not not only were we uh, uh, saved at the point of salvation, justified, but we're constantly being saved. We're constantly being uh, sanctified. We're constantly being purged. We're constantly being separated from our sin. I love it when Romans 8 said we're being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. So so we are saved and we're being saved and we will ultimately be saved or glorified on that great day when Christ comes. The older I get, the more and more I look forward to that day. (laughs) I I used to remember as I grew up in church, I'm a little church boy uh, from Six Mile and Schaefer, the west side of Detroit. And I used to wonder why all the old folk used to always sing about heaven. (laughs) at my church they always sung about heaven and the older I get and the crazier the world gets 
I'm like, come, Lord Jesus, come quick. So, so we were saved. We were saved. We are saved. And we will be ultimately glorified when Christ returns. And what does this? It, 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 it's done by the gospel. We have a message. Paul said, I want to remind you of this message. Many of our frustrations come because we forget that message. We're all, as believers, called to serve and called to bear fruit, but we all often we forget that message. We don't take that gospel multivitamin. That I want to remind you of the gospel that was preached and and how you are being saved. Verse three says, "For for I delivered as to you." of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. So this is the message. This is the message. This is the message that we stand on. There's many messages being preached. Just turn on Christian TV and you'll hear a lot of things and a lot of them don't have anything to do with Jesus. But the message that we stand on, this message that will help us to stand firm and always abound is Christ died for the sins of the people that he chose. See, Jesus lived the perfect life, lived the, the, the perfect sin-free uh, life, the, uh, uh, totally kept all of the commandments, totally kept the law in our place because we couldn't do it. And he died sacrificially to pay the wrath of a just and holy God that we earned, but Christ paid that price. And he rose victoriously. To defeat sin and death. That's what that's what first Corinthians 15 is all about. It's all about the, the triumphant resurrection of Christ. So so we have a message. Secondly, we can stand firm. We can produce fruit in Christ because we have evidence. We have evidence. Now, notice what I love this. Notice what Paul says. He said that this resurrection, this resurrection, this 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 Jewish rabbi who was mutilated, beaten and crucified. And came back from the dead. Said this wasn't done in secret. This this wasn't done in a corner. Notice what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter uh, fifteen, verse five. He said he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Verse seven says he appeared to James and to the other apostles. Notice. Notice the gravity of this statement. Let, let, let the gravity of this statement sit in. Let the, 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 what you're holding in your lap is not a fictional novel. This, this Bible, this word of God is not like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. This is a factual, historical document of real life events that has not been proven to be wrong. You notice how many other books have come and gone Yet what we hold true to has lasted 2,000 years and is still growing. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is still growing and still advancing because it happened. This man came back from the dead. Paul said it didn't happen in secret. We have evidence. People saw him. We can stand firm because we know that the resurrection of Christ is true. I I love this. Um, Jesus was bad. Bad meaning good. <laughs> Jesus, notice this, Jesus didn't just come back and say, all right, guys, I'll see you in a minute. Notice this, Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 3. I mean, probably just to pour salt in the wounds. 
of Satan and to just kind of say, hey, hey, guys, you thought you had me. Acts chapter one, verse three says he presented himself alive to them after suffering many things and after many proof appearing to them for 40 days, speaking the things of the kingdom of God. Again, we have evidence, much to the chagrin of all of the doubters, there has been nothing that has come around in 200 years to disprove the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have evidence. And, 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 and you don't even have to look much further, but you have evidence in your own life. Yes, we have the Bible. Yes, we know it's true. But you can just look in your own life. I love it. In Ephesians chapter two, uh, uh, Paul says you were once dead in sins, but now you're alive in Christ Jesus. You can see that resurrection in your own life. If you're a follower of Christ, you know, it's true because what he's done in your own life. I I, I know it's true because I, I, I was dead. I was not seeking God and I wasn't out. Hey, he found me. He grabbed me and he pulled me from the depths of hell and made me a child of his. We have evidence. Third, we have a hope. We have hope. We can stand firm. We can bear fruit because we have hope. And in verses 12 through 19, Paul says there are many who discredit this gospel. Uh, 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 there are many who discredit the resurrection. There are many who say, nah, 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 that didn't happen. Yeah, I know 500 people saw him at one time, but you know, that, that didn't happen. They, they, they discount the fact that the dead can come back. In verse 21, Paul says, but uh, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man can also come the resurrection from the dead. Notice this, notice this. Uh, Paul is saying because Christ was resurrected, so will we. So will we. Newsflash, this world is not your home. This world is not your home. I, 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 again, the older I get, I'm starting to understand things. This, 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 this uh, world that many cling so tightly to is just a hotel. It's not your permanent place of living. This, this, this is not where we will reside forever. Just a, just a quick, it's just a quick passing through. The psalmist says like a blade of grass and like a vapor. That's how quick our life is. But because Christ rose again, so will we. And we have a better hope. We have a, a, a better expectation. First Peter chapter two, verse 11 says that we are pilgrims and we're temporary residents and foreigners. In Philippians chapter three, verse 20, Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await our savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this isn't home. This is just a temporary stay. And I'm so glad about that. Uh, I don't know if you've been following American politics, but if you haven't, don't. Uh, <laughs> there is an election this year, and it's like saying, do you want to drink battery acid or do you want to drink, uh, what's the equivalent? <laughs> Bleach. <laughs> do you want to be hit by a train or do you want to be run over by a bus? But, but again, many, many, many find their hope in who, who wins the election. Many find their hope in the government. That's not our hope. We have a better hope. We, we, we have a better kingdom with a real king, a loving, gracious king. This 
this, this, we, ha- we have this hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that, that all of our labor, all of the, 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 the time we spend in ministry, all of the things we do for Jesus, we have a hope that, that it will all be worth it. And fourth, we have the victory. We have the victory. Uh, uh, like a, like a, uh, 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 a symphony has its crescendo. Or a, a, a good drama has this apex or its crisis point. This is this is what this is what Paul gets at in verse fifty-five. This is the crescendo of this resurrection discourse. And uh, fifty-five, he says, "Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The death, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. So after this long discourse of walking through the resurrection of Christ, he gets to this soaring doxology, praising the victorious Christ. And not only praising him, saying, but we have the victory through him. We have the victory over sin. We have the victory over death. Because of that sinless life and the sacrificial death and the triumphant resurrection of Christ. Death is like a tiger who's been declawed and had all his teeth plucked out. Has no more power. It's still alive. It's still alive, but it's powerless. That's what death is to us. Paul said it this way in, in a Roman prison as he wrote the letter to the Philippians. He said to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm not scared of death. In death, we actually win. Either way, we have the victory in Christ. Death has no more power. Sin has no more power over us because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. His, His resurrection was so powerful, he put death to death and killed sin. What a mighty God we serve. So, so now let's go back. Let's go back. So he says, therefore, what? Therefore, what? Because we have a message. Because uh, we have the victory. Because we have a hope. Because we have evidence. Now, my beloved brethren, stand. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So, so Paul says that... We can serve Christ tirelessly. We can pour out our life to discipleship. We can pour out our lives to ministry. We can stand on the truth of the gospel because of all we have and all that we are in the resurrection of the victorious Lord Jesus Christ. We can stand firm. We can produce fruit for the kingdom of God because of all that he has done. Not in our own strength. Us in our own strength isn't much. Minus, minus the spirit of God, we're just dust. Remember how he made Adam? <laughs> he got down on his hands and knees and put some dust together and, and blew in it. Minus him, that's what we are. But in him, in his power, in the power of his resurrection, in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can stand firm. We can be fruitful. So Paul gives us these three exhortations. First, he says, be steadfast, be immovable. The fact that 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 Paul, the fact that Paul is urging us to uh, be steadfast, the fact that Paul is urging us to be immovable means that there's going to be something that's going to want to make us move. 
The fact that Paul says stand firm infers that there will be adversity and opposition. Again, in, in the country that I live in, there's much, much opposition to the gospel. There, there's much opposition to absolute truth. In context, Paul is referring to the truth of the resurrection, but this admonishment is universally uh, applicable because there's going to be constant pushback from culture. In America, I don't know if it's going on here, but now we're questioning gender. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing here? All right, great. We're, su- we're suffering together. So, so now gender is an option. Now, now stores and schools are saying, you know what? Whatever you want to be. In the time we live in, absolute truth is being traded for the abstract. People don't want de- uh, definite, definitive truth. People want to redefine what truth is. I live my own truth. But in the midst of this upheaval, in the midst of gender confusion and sexuality and, 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 and the cultural winds that are just blowing everywhere, in the midst of all of this, we must declare like Paul in, in, in Romans chapter 1, six, uh, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. We have to stand firm on the truth because everything else is shaking. While, while the world we live in is, is, is standing on the sinking sand of culture, we must stand firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus and his righteousness. I shall not trust the sweetest frame, but only trust in Jesus' name. Stand firm. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be opposition from family. There's going to be opposition from people close to you. We have to stand firm, be immovable. Second admonishment, always abounding in the work of the Lord. This phrase, Always abounding means to uh, uh, constantly and consistently be engaged in fulfilling the great commission of Christ to evangelize the lost and to make disciples. What does always mean? What does always mean in Windsor? All the time. time. Thank you. Same thing in Detroit. (laughs) Always means always. It says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We, we, we are called to be about our father's business. We are called to be uh, uh, trying to reach and engage those people around us for the mission of Jesus Christ. No matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're in full-time ministry, a police officer, a teacher, a student, no matter where you find yourself, you would always be abounding in the work of the Lord. Our mission is to uh, 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 show Jesus, to show the grace of Christ, to, to, to uh, 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 people, let, let people see the, the peace, the joy, the contentment that we have in Christ. Let people see that. That's an attractive thing. And then be ready to give an answer. Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. Our mission is to show and to tell Christ in a very, very dark world. Again, no matter where you at, if, if you know Jesus, your job is to make him known to a lost and dying world. Again, if you know Christ, your job is to make 
him known to a lost and dying world. We are the we are the only hope this world has. And when I say we, I mean the God that works through us. It's the only hope. And lastly, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Paul ends with this consolation for the Corinthian believers. He 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 ensures them that their labor is not in vain. We wrestle with that, don't we? I remember when I was growing up, there was a, a big gospel group uh, called the Clark Sisters from Detroit. They had a song called, Is My Living in Vain? Is My Giving in Vain? Is My uh, Preaching in Vain? They wanted to, uh, uh, the song was just saying, is all that I'm doing for Christ worth it? We wrestle with that from sometimes, don't we? Because we don't see the automatic fruit. We live in a very microwave society. We want instant gratification. I wrestle with that in ministry. People that, there are people that have been walking with my wife and I for four and five years, and it actually seems like they're actually going in reverse. They're getting further and further away from God. Is it even worth it? Paul is telling us that everything we do for Christ has eternal ramifications. Everything we do for Christ has eternal ramifications. You may not realize this, but when you stand at the door and greet, that can prepare someone's heart. That can tear down some walls someone may have in their heart to hear the gospel. I remember when I walked uh, uh, about, oh my goodness, about seven years ago, I walked into a church and I was greeted so warmly and the people were so nice and the people were so kind and they took my kids to the children's ministry and my kids left. I sat down and I sat down and I told my wife, this is going to be the church that we're at before I even heard a song, before I even heard a message. That's a true story. When you lead God's people in worship, when, when you sing songs, it's not just we're singing songs, but you're preparing people's hearts to hear the word of God. You're preparing people's hearts to hear the truth of God's word. You're strengthening and you're encouraging believers who come in weary from a week of <laughs> much spiritual warfare. When you're in kids ministry, you're planting seeds for the next generation. I never thought in a million years that, that the church that we were at, my, the, they, they poured into my, my daughter. They, she, she went from here to here spiritually and was baptized at the age of nine and still follows Jesus because of the kids' ministry. Not only the, uh, her parents loving and teaching her about God, but the church that she was at. Everything we do has eternal ramifications. There's no such thing as small service. It's not in vain. He says, knowing that it's not in vain. I, I remember, I think, in, I think later this fall will be about two years since I started coming around the gathering. I remember I first came, we were at the, 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 the curling place, right? Yeah. I don't even know what curling is, but uh, I was there, and I met Pastor Garth, and he said, hey, come on over, and I preached there. And what God has done in those, 
in about two years. My goodness, God has done some amazing things. But I know that there are some people who have been grinding and grinding. And there are some people here who may be on fumes. I know that there are some times in ministry that I just feel like, you know what, God? I'm tapping out. <laughs> I'm on fumes. I know how you feel. For, for, for about 10 years, I was bivocational, and that means that I worked a full-time job, and I was in ministry full-time as well. I wonder, was it even worth it? There were times that I had several ministry setbacks. I had several times of restart, stop, restart, stop. And I wonder, was it all worth it, Lord? Is this, why, why? Is this all even worth it? Until I begin to see the fruit. I begin to see the fruit of what God is doing in our city. I begin to see a small, it's a small little cloud right now, a small cloud of church planting and, and, and ministry engagement going on in the inner city of Detroit. It's a small cloud now, but God is doing some great things. And I see that it's not in vain. Along with this passage, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Galatians chapter nine, uh, Galatians uh, chapter six, verse nine. It says, let us not grow weary in well doing. For in due season, you will reap if you will not give up. So then if you have any opportunity, let's do good to everyone, but especially those who are in the household of faith. It says, don't grow weary in well-doing. I know it's difficult. Serving Jesus is hard. That's why he said it's like picking up a cross. He didn't say take up a couch and lay. <laughs> he said following me is picking up a cross, a torture instrument, and following me. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's hard. It's difficult. But Paul said, don't grow weary. Because you, it may be the person you greet. The person you greet may end up getting baptized nine months later. That's the fruit. The person that you've been telling about Jesus and telling about Jesus and telling about Jesus and it seems that they're drifting. Two years from now, you may get a phone call that their mother died and they want you to pray for them. I've seen it all. I, 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 I've seen people 10 years that I, I spoke to them and I told them about Jesus. I've I seen them 10 years later walk in to a church and say, I'm a Christian now. Don't grow weary in well-doing. But, but you don't know when, but the fruit of the gospel is inevitable. The fruit of the gospel is inevitable. This, this, this fruit that we're called to bear, it's hard. It's toilsome. But when you see that spiritually dead person come back to life, you, 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 you'll say it's worth, it's worth it. It's worth it. That when you see that new believer begin to grow and now they're serving in the church, you see that it's worth it. And when we stand before the risen Christ, when he comes back and when he takes us home and we take those crowns and we lay them at his feet, we'll say it was more than worth it. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you that because you rose from the dead. Lord, Lord, you literally died and came back to life and walked on earth for 40 days. 
thank you that because we have this message of the gospel, we have eternal hope. And we have the victory over death. Even in death, we have victory in death, Lord. God, thank you that we can stand firm on the gospel. Thank you that we can stand on the truth of your word. Lord, help us to bear fruit. God, help us in difficult times. Lord, help us when we don't feel like serving. Lord, help us when our heart isn't right towards serving. Help us to remember that everything we do has eternal ramifications. Lord, and we thank you for the the fruit that you will bring to pass because of your glory and because of your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I ask that you bless, continue to bless this church. I thank you for Pastor Garth. I ask that his time away be refreshing and bring him back on fire to serve you all the more. In Jesus' name, amen.